And I do want to say a few thank yous as well. Because in order to get this, get this happening, it takes a lot of hands. It takes a lot of people. It takes a lot of you guys. And I definitely want to thank the Highland Oaks team as far as what they, they're doing for us and what they have presented for us. But also I want to thank the AV team in the very back. When we showed up here, all it was was a stage. And that was it. There wasn't any mics, there wasn't any speakers, there wasn't any instruments. So them being able to come in, get things set up, uh, it's just a testament of God and the skills that they have that they use for God's kingdom. And definitely the worship team has done an awesome job rehearsing throughout the week and preparing uh, their hearts uh, to do what they're doing as well. But also I want to thank the ushers who got here at 8 in the morning just to make sure that these chairs were set out so that we wouldn't have to stand the whole entire time, which is good, amen. But it's awesome. It's awesome to be in God's kingdom and to know that we are never alone. Whatever we're doing in life, when we're trying to lead our families, we're not alone. When we're trying to walk with God, we are not alone. We have a community. And as Walt uh, had mentioned earlier with Acts chapter 2, that's what we have in God's kingdom. That we don't have to pray just by ourselves. We don't have to, definitely can't fellowship by ourselves. But we're able to do all this within a community. And one thing I do want to make sure we're all very clear in. We're coming together. But we're preparing to be sent out. Amen. Back to our neighborhoods. Back to our communities. So let's not get too comfortable. All right. We'll be here for a year at least. Unless God come back before then. And we'll be ready for him then. But we come together to prepare so that we can go out and get the gospel out to as many people as possible. Amen. Amen. Well, as Derek, he did a great interlude uh, for me uh, as far as with the acts with communion. And what we're going to be focused on for the next four weeks is the process of coming to salvation. Okay. Because it's important if you're going to know anything it's about being able to walk with Jesus, being able to walk with God. And what does he want out of us as his, as his creation? And, you know, you, you start off with belief, being able to believe, believe in God, believe in who he is, believe in his word. And then we move to repentance, as Derek's talking about, because we want to move towards God once we find out who he is and how much he loves us, how much he cherishes us. And how he created us with in mind for us to have a relationship with him. To be able to love us and us to be able to love him. We get to move towards him. And then we get transformed by him, amen? amen. Through baptism, he, he's able to take away our sins yeah. and give us the Holy Spirit and transform the trajectory of our life. And if that's not enough, we get to hang with Jesus for the rest of our life. We get his lordship. We get his direction. We get direction from someone who's already been to heaven and been to earth and can lead us back to heaven. Amen. And just the lordship and even also the fellowship that we have. So me and David Collier, we're going to tag team uh, within these four so that all of us are very clear through the scriptures of what, where God wants us to be. Amen? Amen. So I'm glad you guys are here in our first step of this journey. As we talk about belief, okay. belief in God's word, 
Belief in God. Belief in Jesus and the kingdom and the church that he has set up. And how grace covers all that. You know, you think about what we get in the, the gift of grace. When we get a new life. When we get to start over with relationships. When we get to reset and have our minds set on him. Today we're going to talk about belief because belief can sometimes be tough, especially in an age where it's a lot of noise and distractions, right? You know, you think about the internet. You know, 30 years ago, the internet wasn't what it is today. I think just the military had used it back then. But now we all have it. But what happens when anybody can put anything on the internet? You can be confused. You can be misguided. You can be misled. But the internet wasn't alive and kicking back in Jesus' day. I mean, he knew about it, of course. But it wasn't happening. But if you guys can turn with me to Acts chapter 1. Because Acts, we're going to spend our time in Acts as we go through the four steps. The four major steps of salvation. But I want to start with belief. And to see that even with the disciples, they had to be convinced. Even after three years of being with Jesus, seeing him do miracles, he still had to convince him when he raised from the dead and following him and going his way. There in Acts chapter one, verse one. Are you guys with me? Let's start there in verse one. It says in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave what? Many convincing proofs that he was still alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. It says there in verse 3 that he had to give them many convincing proofs. You think about what does God need to do this morning for us to convince that he's out there, that he's still in control, that he's still the one calling the shots and that he still wants a relationship with each and every one of us here this morning. Maybe it's like the apostles where they knew who Jesus was, but they were very unclear about what the next step were. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at the apostles. We're going to look at an example from the Jews and look at the example of the Gentiles. Is how does God convince us, persuade us to believe in him? Because as I mentioned before, there's a lot of things happening. There's a lot of things out there that can distract us. I got a quick list here. These are some of the things that can persuade us and that if we don't, if we're not able to check ourselves, that we can end up going down a rabbit hole. You know, this is uh, Walton Kim Thomas. They they do a, a curriculum called Spiritual Discovery, and this is taken out of that book. And Joe and Angela Laura, uh, they do some of these classes as well. But it's great insights. Look at this. It says, we act on what we believe to be true. If we believe God doesn't love us, we will move away from him. 
If we believe God is not trustworthy, what do we do? We won't look to him for prayers. If we believe the world has more to offer, we will turn from God. If we believe lies about other people, it will damage our relationships. If we believe lies about ourselves, it can lead to unhealthy behaviors. Failure to recognize Satan's lies can be devastating. And we can all attest to that, right? Because it is so many different lies that we bombarded with and Satan, because he don't want this, right? He don't want us to be together. He don't want us to have relationships with people that are trying to follow Jesus. So he tells things like, hey, God doesn't love you. You know, the pain that you went through in life, your upbringing as a child or what you're going through right now, those troubles, would a loving God really allow you to go through those troubles? That's Satan. That's, that's what he does so well. Because God didn't promise that we would not have troubles in this world, right? That's not something that God had promised. So what does Satan do? He really speaks to our emotions. He speaks to our comforts that we want to have. And instead of us being focused on what God actually said, he plays a magic trick and have us focus on things that God had never said. I mean, we can all relate to different lies that God has told us, but we can also relate prayerfully that if we do believe the truth, that it will set us free. Amen. It will take us where we're going. And I think about this story. Uh, you know, we had the marriage retreat a couple weeks ago and they had everybody raise your hand if you want to mar- ran a marathon before. But I'm going to ask you guys, how many of you guys have run an ultra marathon before? Yeah, I'm, you're like, what is an ultra marathon, right? That's, that's a marathon on steroids, right? And anytime you put ultra in it, you know, it's just going to be crazy. So it could be a, 100 miles, it could be 50 miles. But imagine a 543-mile race. 543 miles. You know, some of you, you might be from a place that's 543 miles from here. And you're like, no, I'm not. I'm taking the car. I'm taking the airplane. I am not using my Nikes to get here, right? But I want to tell you guys about a story of belief. A guy named Cliff Young. Cliff Young, he's on the right here. They had, back in 1983, they had the inaugural ultramarathon in Australia. Where they raced from Sydney to Melbourne. Which covers 543 miles. So Cliff, he is or was a potato farmer and changed the ultra marathon mindset by his belief of what and his methods. He was a 61 year old man when he joined this race. Wow. You know, it's definitely people who are older than 61 that have run marathons before. But to be 61 and run 543 miles, I'm like, hey, more power to you, brother. (laughs) But this is what he did. He showed up to the scene and they interviewed him. And they said, why do you think not only to enter this race, but why do you think you're going to win the race? This is what he said. 
He says, I grew up on a farm where we couldn't afford horses or tractors. And the whole time I was growing up, whenever the storms would roll in, I'd have to go out and round up the sheep. We had 2,000 sheep on 2,000 acres. Sometimes I would have to run those sheep down for two or three days. It took a long time, but I would always catch them. I could see Killer with that Australian twang saying that. He says, I believe I can run this race. 61-year-old potato farmer show up, haven't won a marathon officially in his life, and was able to compete. And guess what happened? He won the race. He finished it 12 hours before the next person, too. 12 hours. Because this was a six-day race that he finished in five and a half days. What did he do that was differently? And this is the mindset that we have to have sometimes because the world sometimes tells us that you have to do things a certain way. You have to believe a certain thing. But Cliff said, I'm going to run this race. And guess what? I'm not going to sleep. I'm just going to shuffle along with my 61-year-old self. They were making fun of him the first day because, of course, everyone shot past him to begin. He was hours behind. But when everybody else was sleeping, guess what Cliff was doing? He was shuffling around. Didn't sleep for five and a half days and ended up setting the record for the ultra marathon. Plus, it was the inaugural. So, of course, any record is going to be set uh, with that one. Right. But you think about that. He changed the script. He flipped the script for ultra marathon runners. They're like, okay, if I continue to move, I can continue I can overcome sleep. You know, I was joking with Roger uh, earlier because he's sleepy right now. He's like, you might have to continue to move, brother. You got to continue to move because it'll keep you awake. He stayed awake for five and a half days. So if you fall asleep right now, we got plenty of room in the back to shuffle so you can listen. Amen. <laughs> but you think about that concept. He said, I believe I can run this race. What is something that you believe that with the power of God that you can do? That you can be? You know, because God God is telling you that, hey, repent towards me. But Satan is saying, no, even if you try, you're going to fail. Even if you try, hey, you're not going to be perfect. But God knows that. He made us, right? He knows that we're not perfect. He knows that we're going to need the forgiveness. He knows and he already took care of it through the blood of Christ. Amen. But it starts up here with our mind because God knows, Satan knows that if we can capture the mind, you can capture the soul and the body. But what gets in our way? What gets in our way from living the Cliff Young type life and believing that God can take me from here to there? I want to look at three quick things. I want to look at three quick things, how misunderstanding, how sometimes legalism and how ignorance can keep us from believing what God is trying to do for our lives and how to overcome it. Because that's the big thing, right? How do we overcome? Because we do want to believe we want to repent. We want God. Amen. So the first thing I want to look at is how Jesus convinced the apostles. 
Because in the Acts chapter 1 verse 6, they was like, hey, Jesus, you know, you, you've been with us. But are you ready to restore the kingdom back to Israel? Right. They had a, they had a slight misunderstanding of what Jesus was going to do. They were thinking that Jesus wanted to set up a kingdom and become a king and reign, right? That's, that's what history had taught them. But Jesus was like, no, that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to set up a spiritual kingdom. I'm leaving, guys. I'm, I'm not going to be here anymore. You remember that Holy Spirit I was telling you guys about? I'm going to leave that with you, and I'm gone. <laughs> But he had to convince them. He had to show them that, no, what you're thinking is different. You know, they still believe God. They believe Jesus. They believe the, the kingdom. They believe the word of God. But they misunderstood how it all was going to play out. You know, sometimes our preconceived beliefs, they can hinder our, our ability to obey the truth, right? You know, maybe it's the way that you grew up. Maybe it's the way that you've been taught. Maybe you've been taught that, oh, all I, all I need to do is believe. I don't need to follow Christ. That once I believe one time, I'm good. And Jesus come down and he, like a good shepherd, he teaches you the truth. And I remember just a quick story when I, I used to live in Oklahoma City, many of you guys knew that. Now, I remember studying the Bible with a friend of mine, and I really got to see this in action. How sometimes my, my misunderstanding can lead to like what this picture says. It's like, no, from my perspective, it's four. Oh, no, from my perspective, it's three. It just depends on your perspective, right, yeah. uh, within this. But this is one of the ways that God had took my misunderstanding. And years later, cleared it up. It's like, hey, Clint, this is what you need to be. So I went and I was going to study the Bible with a friend of mine. I, I told one of my coworkers, I was like, hey, you know, let's say John was my coworker. Hey, John, we're going to study the Bible. Let's look over some scriptures together during lunchtime. He's like, okay, cool. That sounds good. We show up the next day. Guess what John shows up with? A biblical concordance, a, a biblical dictionary. And I'm like, no, brother, we're we doing something else. <laughs> we're just going to look at the scriptures. And he's like, oh, how are we going to dig deeper into the scriptures? We can't really go into the background. And I remember looking at him dumb, dumbfounded. I'm like, no, nah, I don't do that, bro. <laughs> I just I got some some scriptures that I want to look at with you. And you need to look at those things with me. But then I moved to Dallas. I remember going through our ministry training academy class and how it talked about really digging deeper into the word of God to really get the background so you can understand and use the scriptures in context. And I thought about, you know, I'm putting John in this place. And I'm like, that's what he was doing. But because of my misunderstanding of what I thought I needed to do and what I thought I needed to be, I was a unable to see what God was trying to show me. Have you ever had one of those times? Where you're like, man, this is, this is just how it should be. This is just how it should go. And then God is trying to teach lessons. He's like, no, Clint, come, come back here. 
I got something greater for you. I want you to know me deeper. A lot of times that manifests with our kids, right? Is that we grew up a certain way, so we're going to treat our children a certain way. Oh, well, my dad did this to me, so I'm going to do this with my son. Hey, my dad is awesome, right? But we want to use the word of God for our methods, right? Use the word of God for our principles. But sometimes our miss. Our misunderstanding can get in the way. But what does God do for us? He corrects. He course corrects us, right? He gets us and says, hey, Clint, you do need to dig deeper into the word of God. Or, hey, brother, father, you need to go talk to this other father who can help you in some of your preconceived notions when it comes to raising your son or raising your daughter. But misunderstanding can get in the way of us believing because we sometimes hold so tightly so tightly on what we've been taught and don't leave room for what God is really trying to teach us secondly what else can get in the way sometimes legalism can get in the way sometimes you know you think about how Jesus convinced the Jews in, in Acts chapter 13 When the church first started, what did they do? They went to the synagogues and they preached the word to the Jews. And what's one thing that the Jews knew very well? They knew the scriptures. They knew the Old Testament like the back of their hands because most likely it might have been written on the back of their hands, right? (laughs) But how they had to struggle with learning some new teaching from God. Look at this in Acts chapter 13, verse 14 through 15. It says here, from Perga, they went on to Pisidian Antioch. On the Sabbath day, they entered the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them saying, brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. And then Paul took the opportunity and he quoted from at least the, the Acts talks about four different passages from the Old Testament to connect Jesus and the kingdom to what God had talked about and wrote in the Old Testament. Trying to help them out, trying to convince them, trying to use the word because the best way to overcome legalism is not only relationship, but going back to God's word. Because what did they have? They had the history of God already. The Jews, they already have it. You think of some of you guys. You know, I've been around church my whole entire life. That's good. But if my pride gets in the way, what happens? I can end up being self-righteous. I can end end up being more focused on the rule instead of what? The relationship. We definitely need both, right? You don't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. Jesus gave commands for a reason, right? But how important it is for us to be able to sidestep the things that we hold on to so much because that's just the way that I've been taught and leave room for what God is trying to teach us. Because what ended up happening later on in Acts chapter 13, in verse 43. 
It says, when the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and the devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas. So they were having a great time, right? I love this Jesus that you're talking about. He talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. Verse 44, on the next Sabbath day, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of God. That had to be awesome, right? You can imagine, we have almost about 300 people in here. Imagine coming back here next week and all of Dallas County is just looking through the windows here and looking through the, the places here, hiding underneath the stage, just trying to hear. <laughs> then this is what happened. Verse 45, when the Jews saw the crowds, they were what? They were filled with jealousy. And they began to contradict what Paul was saying and heat abuse on him. The weekend before, they were so happy. So many people were converted. So many people were changed. But then just the character of some folks that got jealous, that thought, no, my way is better than this, this guy's way, this Paul, this Barnabas guy. My way is better. So what did they do? They went against the word of God. And they heaped abuse on Paul. They started intricating lies into the group. But luckily, God, he can work above that, amen? He still works above that. But what do we have to do? We have to help. We have to use God's word and let God's word be our captain and not let legalism, not let holding on to, to what, almost like I was talking about earlier, this is how I was taught, so this is what I need to do. When God is speaking to us, what do we need to do? We need to listen. We need to hear what he's telling us, hear where he's trying to direct us because he will get the glory in the end, amen? Sometimes what gets in our way, just our own history, right? Just our own upbringing. But lastly, uh, even before that, you think about this quote from Tim Keller, great author, great mind when it comes to deciphering God's word. But he says, legalistic remorse says this, I broke God's rules, while repentance says, I broke God's heart. Think about the difference of that. Both was, okay, I've sinned, I messed up. But just how do I see things? How you see things will help you process things. Will help you overcome things. Help you really have that heart is that, man, I just want to please my father. But sometimes when we legalistic, we so focused on the rules that we forget about the relationship. We forget about the connection. That's what happened with the Pharisees, right? You had this guy, Paul, quoting the word of God, but they were more focused on how many followers that they have. Lastly, Jesus convinced the Gentiles through Paul. Jesus convinced them to overcome ignorance, right? Because sometimes we just don't know. Not everybody grew up hearing the story about Moses, about Jonah, about Jesus. Not everybody grew up with that, right? Most of us may have, but some of us didn't. 
So we got to overcome with the word of God. Listen to this. In Acts chapter 11, verse 19 through 21. You know, as they were traveling, as, as Paul and the, the rest of the brothers were traveling, they come here and they says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, you know, trailblazers there, he went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also. You know, typically when they say Greeks, they say God-fearing Greeks. But these were just Greeks. These are those that didn't have the law, that wasn't proselyte and converted over to the Jewish and Judea, the ways of Judaism. It says, the Greeks also telling them the good news about who? About Jesus, Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. You know, what happens with ignorance? Sometimes it feels like we're walking in the dark, right? You know, I love this picture here. And that's how you feel sometimes. When I go to a place, I went to Haiti one time. Uh, and the language there is not English. And it's not Spanish. So it's French or Creole. So I felt like I was really in the dark there. Because people would come up and say something darker complected like those from Haiti. They thought I was from there. So they come in and talk to me like that. I'm their cousin or something. And I like, I, I, I don't know what you're saying. You know, I don't know. I can smile at you. I can give you a hug. But that's all I got. But when you don't know, be it the language or the custom, or in this case, knowing about Jesus and the word of God, you feel like you are in the dark. Now, have you ever felt that way? Spiritually, man, I'm just in the dark. I don't know what I believe. I don't know what to believe. I don't know which way to go. But one thing that can overcome ignorance is what? You find someone that can teach you. You ask God for help. You ask God for guidance. And what does he end up doing? He puts somebody in your life that can help you out. You get that phone call or you bump into that person at the mall that you haven't seen. And the next thing you know, you're talking about God and what he's doing in your own life. And I love this passage. I love this passage in Acts chapter three, verse 17, because it says now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, just like we saw in Acts chapter 17 earlier. I know you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying this, Messiah would suffer. What do we do? We repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. You know, these were the Israelites they were talking to, right? They even acted in ignorance. So what do you end up doing? You let them learn about Jesus. You let them learn about what he's doing. How do you, how do you overcome it? How do you overcome just not knowing? You sit down with the person that may have invited you. If this is your first time coming out, I want to invite each and every person, especially the members, right? 
to have that conversation. Let's sit down. Let's open up the scriptures and see what God is calling you to believe. See what God is calling you to understand. To see what God is calling you to overcome. To see what God is calling you to know and to get to know. To see what God is trying to help you believe. Because as I mentioned earlier, guys, once we give our mind to Christ, then he can truly work with us, right? He could truly transform us. And as I mentioned before, misunderstanding, be it legalism and, and stand with what I know and not being open to being taught, that can hinder us. Ignorance, that can hinder us. But if we're open to always learn, to always be a student, God can do things in Dallas County that we have never seen before. Amen. As I shared to the men a couple months ago, I was like, I can't wait till Dallas County is 1,200 disciples. Right? I can't wait till we're over 10,000 people that are out there making disciples of Jesus Christ. It's going to start with us believing. It's going to start with us believing that we can run that 543 mile race at 61 years old. It's going to believe that, hey, I don't need that much sleep. I can use it, but I don't need it because God's work is much more important than anything that I have. To believe that God will transform not only you, but your family, your friends, your neighbors. But what we got to do first we have to believe. We got to believe that we can fill this room. We got to believe that our family reunions can be filled with Christians and not just those that get drunk, right? <laughs> I don't know what your family like, but I'm not going to express my family sin in front of everybody, right? It's recorded. But guys, God is setting us up. God is building us up. God is ready to send us out to go and really ignite our Dallas County, our Collin County, DFW, Texas, wherever we are. But what do we got to do first? We got to believe. We got to believe that he will use you. You got to believe that he'll use your neighbor, that he'll believe use our children. God, use our teens, our campus, our singles, our marrieds, our older folks, our younger folks, those that are blue collar, those are white collar, those that don't wear collars, whatever it is, that God will use it and it will be to his advantage. And I want you guys to come back next week because we're going to talk about repentance. We're going we're gonna to flesh out what Derek had talked about earlier, how powerful repentance can be once we believe. Because our God will get the glory, amen. Our God will be glorified. And when we see him in heaven one day, we're like, we believe, we fought the good fight, we held on to your ways, and we're ready to see you, amen. Thank you, guys. Amen. Worship team, please come up. Thank you, your brother. Trust me, I'm not going to say. But so, um, you know, thank you very much. New building.